Would you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1? And hopefully you brought your Bibles. If you did not, this is where you don't look at me, but you reach forward to the front of you, the back of the pew, and you grab one out of the back, okay? I want you to follow along with me. Um, I am really excited about where we're going with this, but I want to throw out a, I guess a disclaimer. I'm the king of disclaimers, aren't I? I so they're mine, okay? So that we all know that I'm the king of disclaimers. I get to throw out disclaimers, so anyhow. Um, I want to say this, uh, if, you know, as we get into this, uh, if you're a seasoned veteran Christian that was here when Jesus walked the earth because you've been a Christian so long, would you please not check out of the process? Because I think it'd be very easy to say, well, you know, I've heard this, you know, and, and I've been there, I've heard this. And, and I really believe that as we come into this with our, with our ears and our eyes wide open, that God's word will uh, look lean or uh, cut into our lives wherever we're at and speak to us. And so I pray that you would put yourself in that vulnerable position. If you're sitting in here this morning and you're new to all this and in some of it uh, you're kind of guarded or whatever, I would ask the same thing, that you open yourselves up, become very vulnerable to the Word of God and where, where God wants to take us. Uh, and so uh, as we go through this journey, this is just, it's going to be really fun because this is, you know, we're talking about the story of all times. How many of you have a book, The Story? How many of you purchased one? Okay, we're getting there. Uh, you guys need to catch up, okay? How many of you read the first chapter of The Story? Okay, we're getting there. I just want to say this. You're competing with the other services, okay? So if you drop the ball, hey, don't be, you know, don't be shooting the messenger, all right? I'm just telling you. So, uh, but anyhow, please grab a copy of that. Use it as a resource uh, along with the Word. Bring the Word, bring the Bible with you each week because we're going to be looking at it today. I'm going to, you're going to have to help me out a little bit here too. So, I don't know about you, but I love to read and also like to watch movies. And occasionally, I'll come across a book or a movie where. The action starts right smack at the beginning. Have you ever watched a movie like that? I, th- I forget what movie I was watching. There's been a few, but uh, really action-packed movies where I went in and, and I was watching it and I was with some friends and I'm sitting there and about a quarter of the way into it, I, I, I have this realization that I am extremely tense because the action is just nonstop from the beginning. And I look over at my friend and I said, man, this movie really lacks action, doesn't it? Because he was feeling the same way. I mean, it's just like you're on the edge of your seat and you're just like, holy cow, when's this going to like, when, when can I take a breath, you know? And, and, and I think that's how this whole story starts, you know, when it comes with God. Because you've got God who right off the bat, man, he's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's, he's painting this, I mean, the story is starting. And it starts huge. It starts with a lot of action because he literally creates the world. He creates everything out of nothing. And so in this story, he reve- the first thing he does, he reveals himself as God. He has this, uh, you know, it begins with a revelation where he, uh, he shows up on the scene. So this story, the main character is God. And throughout the rest of the story, that's what we read about. We read about God and we're going to read about, uh, really he's, he's kind of, uh, taking what happened at the beginning and, and, and just really, uh, you know, addressing that clear through the rest of the story. So as we look at this, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And let's, let's read verse 1 together. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now right off the bat, you know, those of you that, that, that believe that the Word of God is truth, 
you, uh, you struggle with evolution, you struggle with the big bag theory, you struggle with a lot of different things because, which you rightfully should, but if you believe that the Word of God is the truth, very first verse we read that God created the world. God created everything. From the begin- in the beginning, God created. By the way, today we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about creation, we're going to talk about the fall, and we're going to talk about the flood. Okay? As we talk about creation, God shows up on the scene. He creates something from nothing. He has absolutely nothing. Nothing. He creates something to create something. Does that make sense? So He creates. He is the creator of all things. So as we look at the creation story, okay, this is where, you go, this is where you're going to plug in with me. On day one, and as you look down in your Bible, in chapter one, I want you to, we can simplify it, but on day one, what does, what does He create? Light and darkness. Okay, now, some of you may have heard this before, but it's often been said that the Hebrews and the Jews think in pairs. And so as we take a look at this story, we see that on day one, he created light and darkness. And then on day four, which would be its its pairing, there is a fulfillment. On day one, he creates light and dark. What's he create on day four? Now you've got to scan down. What's he create? The fulfillment of light and dark, which would be? <laughs> Got a lot of confident people here. Sun, moon, and stars. Light and day, sun, moon, and stars. Day two. Sky and water. Day five. What goes in the sky? Birds. There we go. What goes in the water? Fish. There we go. Now we're getting it, aren't we? How about day three? What did he create on day three? He created... What? Well, you guys are so confident. He created land, and then, and then he created kind of two things on day six, in a, in a sense. He created... What goes on land? Animals and... Okay, I'll give you plants. Let's go with the big one. Who? The bigger one. Bigger. Man. He created man. Where does man come into picture? <laughs> okay, real quick. The fulfillment. Okay, day one, he creates light and dark. Day four, he creates sun, moon, and stars. The fulfillment. Day two, he creates sky and water. Day five, he creates birds and sea and the creatures of the water, or the sea creatures. Day three, he creates land. He creates animals and all the veg, all that stuff. But then he creates human beings, okay? Now, after every time he created something, what did he say? And it is good. After he creates man, he says, or after he creates all, you know, man was kind of the last thing. What does he create? What does he say? It was very good. Okay, so at the beginning, God says, and to me, guys, we sang a song, and to me, this whole creation story just reeks of God's love, but it kind of goes back to that song that we sang a little bit earlier, where it said, God's love will never, what? It was a new song that they introduced to us, God's love will not fail, God's love will not give up, God's love will not run out, you know, um, a lot of things, a lot of times we experience love, it's from a, from a, the lower perspective like we talked about last week, and we experience human love, right? Very conditional, where it does run, it does give up, it does fail. But God's love never gives up, it never fails. It, it, I remember in the first service when I was here to sing that, it just really connected with me for where we're going today, where God's love, this whole creation, everything, when you look around, this is about God's love. God didn't have to create us, 
It's not like God couldn't exist without us. But yet God, out of his love, I think, you know, it's like, hey, I've got all of this. I want somebody to experience this with me. I want to, I want to, you know, Paul talks about in Ephesians where he says God lavishly, you know, gives us his love, just lavishly uh, throws his love on us or however he says that. But this, this, this concept that God just wants to pour out his love on top of his creation. That's what this is all about. God says, I want someone to enjoy this. I want someone to enjoy me. The Bible says that God is love. It doesn't say that he loves, although he does love, and it does say that, but when it comes to describing the character, the attribute of God, his character, his essence, God is love. Every time he deals with us, every time he deals with a situation, he does that through his character of love. Now, as we look at this, creation is God saying, I want to spend, I want to have relationship. I want to have relationship with man. And so he creates all of these things. He creates the world. He creates what we would call the Garden of Eden. And then when he creates man, and by the way, when I say man, I'm referring to mankind. He creates, um, he creates man. And then, um, a little while he looks at man and says, he needs a companion, right? And he, and then he creates woman and then everything gets screwed up, right? Uh huh. I detect that we have more women in here than men, right? You men are afraid to kind of snicker, aren't you? Anyhow, um, I know I'm on my own. Uh, Anyhow, um, so God creates creates man and and woman, and he says it is very good. And so he creates all these things so that that he can have this, this relationship, this relationship where someone loves him back. And so God's creation or God's um, core passion is human beings. God's core passion is, is, is in us where he, he, he creates us so that he can have this, um, this, this love relationship. And so all the beauties, here's, here's the reality of this. All the beauties of creation, by the way, um, well, let me say, all the beauties of creation are secondary to us. How many of you, man, I'm going to show my age right now. How many of you remember, if you've been in church for a while, um, uh, an uh, artist by the name of Keith Green? Remember him back in the 70s? Christian dude? Really cool, I mean, it was just a cool guy, cool, really wrote some powerful songs, but one of the things that he said back in the, back, that he's, he's, he uh, died in a plane crash, but one of the things he said back then was, he, he said, you know, when you look at creation, you see, you see just the magnificentness of God, you know, I'm going to paraphrase, but he's, he says, as you look at creation, as you look at nature, as you look at all these things, you just see all this absolute beauty that God created in six days. And he said, I wonder what heaven's going to be like that he's been creating since the beginning of time. You think about that? God still, Jesus said he's going away to prepare a place for us. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? And God's saying, that's what I want you to experience. And so all the beauties that he's created, all the stuff that we see, um, the truth is, you know, all the beauties is of creation is secondary to us. The truth is this. You want to talk about a self-esteem builder? Think about that. God's supreme passion is to be with us at all costs. Now, as we continue to read this story, we read that God created, uh, created this Garden of Eden. He placed man. And inside this garden, he, well, first of all, let me say this. He wanted man to love him. He wanted man to love him out of his, from his own choice. And, and, and so uh, there, God gives the power of choice because in the garden, God plants two trees. Really, he plants two trees, but one of them is the forbidden tree, right? And in, in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, what's the name of the first tree? The first tree in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. 
the tree of the knowledge of good and or I'm sorry, the tree of life, correct. In Genesis chapter 17, actually the both of them are introduced in 9, but in 17 we read about we read we begin to read about the fall and and that tree is what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So God makes creates all these things. He creates this wonderful paradise. He creates man. He says, here, I want you to just experience me. I want you to have this close, intimate relationship with me, but I want it to be a choice. This isn't something mechanical. I want to be loved back too. I want you to have this, you know, want to be in this intimate love relationship with me as well. And so he creates all of this stuff, and he says, you can have all of this. All of this is yours. I've created this for, for you I've created this for you, to, for you to live in. And so he creates all this and he says this. He says, but there's one thing that I don't want you to do. And I don't want you to, to really mess around with this tree over here, right? Okay? Now, we human beings are, I don't know how to articulate this, ignorant? Would that be a good way of describing it? God creates all of this and he says... You can have all this, but I don't want you to have this one thing. What one thing do we want? How many of you are parents that can really understand this concept? I'm giving you, I want you to experience all of this. All this is good. All of this. All of this is good, right? This is yours. There's just a few things I don't want, and that's this. Which camp does your kid fall in a lot of times? It's like, you've got all this. Why would you want this? And it's not just our kids, it's us. It started way back from creation. And so now we have this blessed inheritance that we're getting from our first parents of Adam and Eve that they chose to sin, okay? And because they chose to sin, because they said, you know what, I, you know, all this is good over here, but we're, you know, I, you know, we, we want this over here too. We read about the fall where they chose to sin, where they, they chose to say, you know what, I want this over here too. And so then we begin to read about the fall of man. So we read about creation. Next thing we read about the fall of man. And during, with the fall of man, what they did, they, ch- they chose to go outside of God's instruction they chose to go outside of God's boundaries and instead of receiving all of his blessings they chose to say or they 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 made the choice of saying I want this and because they took this they were banished from the garden and they were not not allowed to experience and then life became hard as we know it right everybody born and this is our theology this is our doctrine that we believe in here at element everybody everybody born after Adam and Eve inherit this sin nature which we call depravity which means this as we are born into this world, we are born into sin. Okay? If we would die in that condition, we will live, to be, we will live separated from God for eternity. Now, the story doesn't stop there. That's pretty depressing. But the story doesn't stop there. In essence, what we read about the rest of the Bible, the rest of the story... We read about God's pursuit to get us back into that love relationship. Now, real quick, some of you have seen this before, but I just want to do it again. Take your Bible and open, if you don't have it open, open it back up to Genesis chapter 1. And take Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 and hold it with your index finger and your thumb like this. Hold it like that. In this particular Bible, if you have a pew Bible, uh, it's about two pages, okay? 
This give this is the information. Can you guys see that? If you don't, if you're not doing it, hopefully you're doing it. This is the information that we have on creation. Got it? Where does all of our lot of our questions come from, or about? What are they about? Creation. Well, where did the dinosaurs come from? Well, you know, it's been said that the earth is built, I believe that the earth is billions of years old, you know. How do, we, how do we get that? Well, we get it from this right here, apparently, right? Some would say, well, creation was done in seven literal days. Does that mean, or seven days, does that mean seven literal days? Does that mean seven 24-hour days? Or does that mean, like, maybe day and age, where we say, you know, where we refer to a day like back in the day? Like, and again, I must be reaching that age because I use this now. Well, back in the day, you know, and I'm referring to something back here in my life. Well, back in the day, I experienced this, you know, or back in the day when I was raised, when my parents would do this, you know what I mean? And we refer to that, we're not referring to a specific day per se, we're referring to a, a, an era of time, right? Back in the day. Some would say, well, creation was not really done in 24-hour increments it was more done over time and you know it was more of a you know when they say day it's like a day and age all this other so there's about there's a there's a handful of theories of how what creation kind of looked like but there's some that would say well the earth's only six thousand years old because you know and they track it back to this but but nevertheless a lot of our questions about creation i mean we have a ton of questions some of us will go head to head and get really furious if others don't agree with us about how the earth was created and some of these other things but 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 essentially this is the information we have about creation this is how much information we have about the rest of the story in essence man screwed up god's gonna make it right again Here's another kicker. When we look at this, especially when we go, you know, we continue on in chapters, uh, Genesis chapter 4 and 9, we re- 4 through 9, we read about sin. We read about how the fall of man really began to impact creation, impact, the, you know, impact uh, Adam and Eve and, and, and mankind. And it began to, uh, how sin, the sin nature began permeating the human race. And as we look at this, we read, uh, you know, especially over in Genesis 6, where God looks down on the earth. And, and there's a couple of verses in the Bible that I think are tremendously sad. But the, and this is one of them. In chapter 6, verse 6, go ahead and look that up. In chapter 6, verse 6, it says that God looked down on mankind and he what? He was, say it real loud, grieved. He was sorrowful. He was grieved that he created man. Isn't that sad? God's creation, God's pinnacle of his, his, his everything just came to this one thing of creating man. He created man in his own likeness, in their own likeness. He creates man and woman. He creates them so that he can have this incredible love, this intimate love relationship so that he could take everything that he was and all that he is and everything that he has and say, experience this. Experience my love. Experience who I am. Experience this, this stuff that will just blow your mind. That's the same message that God is communicating to us today. That's the same message that God has for us today where He's saying, I love you so much. But here's the issue. God looks down on the earth. He looks down on mankind where sin just began to just destroy things. Sin became the, started permeating the human race. 
It, there's theories of when it talks about the Nephilim, that, that they were literally, you know, it talks about the angels uh, 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 being with the women. And, and, and there's theories that, that, that those were literal angels having sexual affairs with, human, with mankind, producing all kinds of different warped things that was just out of, out of sync. And yet God looks down and he was sorrowful that he created man. And he was grieved. Can you imagine that? And so God begins to um, put together something. And essentially what he's doing is he puts together, and this is, I know this is bad theology, but just bear with me with the wording. He begins to put in place the great do-over. Instead of looking down and saying, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with you. You don't want to have a relationship with me. Let's not forget who the creator of this world is. I'm, wipe, I'm obliterating you off the face of the planet. I'm just, going to, you know, I'm just going to throw the towel in and all this. Instead of doing that, God found favor in one person by the name of Noah. And through Noah and a few of his family members, he spares mankind. And instead of obliterating everything, he spares mankind. Now, here's, the issue. here's where we're going. So we talked about creation, we talked about the fall, and we talked about the flood. The rest of the story that we're going to talk about is this process of God reconciling people back to himself. That's what he's doing now. Until Jesus returns and, and, and puts an end to time as we know it, God is constantly calling out to people saying, I love you, I love you, I want to have this intimate relationship with you. I want to restore, I want to reconcile. I am putting in place something that there's nothing you could ever do. But I'm out of my love, I'm coming to you and I'm saying that I want to make things right again. In the creation story, we read about that at the end of every one, we just said it, at the end of every one, God said, and it was good. When he created man, he said, and it was very good. Later on, we read in Genesis chapter 3, things weren't very good. It grieved God. He was very sorrowful. God is literally, if I can use these words, in the business of making things very good again. And when we accept that free gift of grace and salvation, things are very good again. Because we're able to have this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Something else I want you to think about through this whole story today um, is, is this. In the garden, when we see when all this went down, we see that there was a couple sacrifices that had to be made. We see that something's going to have to be done, literally, for this relationship to be restored. My question for you is this, something to think about. Have you ever sat and thought about, we know that God's all-knowing, right? We know that God, I believe that the Bible teaches that God's all-knowing. God knows every single person. He knew all of us before we were were even... uh, uh, before we, we were even born, Psalm 139 talks about He knew us in the innermost parts of our mother's wombs. God knew you at the beginning of time. God knew me from the beginning of time. He knew exactly how I was going to live my life. He knew exactly how you were going to live your life. He knew if you were going to make the decision to accept His free gift of grace and salvation. He knows the ones that are not going to accept His gift of grace and salvation. I'm sure that grieves Him. But let me ask you this question. Before the beginning of time, and there's, there's verses within the Bible that, 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 that Paul, I think Paul talks about this. Before the beginning of time, before, all, before anything was created, God knew that he was going to have to sacrifice his one and only son for you. Have you ever thought about that? 
Have you ever thought about the fact that before God did anything, He knew. He knew that sin was going to come into the world, that mankind was going to rebel against Him, that man was going to struggle with this whole concept of reconciliation in relationship with Him. He knew that He was going to have to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to be that one sacrifice to restore that relationship. Yet, instead of forsaking the whole plan, He continued to do it. Have you ever thought about that? Because when you really think about that, it brings this incredible value to you. This business of us thinking that we're a mistake, or this business of thinking that we're stupid, or this business of thinking that we don't amount to anything, or we're not going to amount to anything, and how other humans have convinced that, have, have spoken that into our lives, is garbage. Because in the grand scheme of things, God knew what it was going to cost Him before He even created anything. And yet He continued to do so, so that He could have an intimate love relationship with you. Isn't that powerful? You want to talk about having self-esteem. You want to talk about being grounded in truth and, and, and something speaking volumes of value into our lives. Here's the issue. Some of us walk around as if God made a mistake. As if we were a mistake on this earth. That is the furthest thing from the truth. That is nothing but a lie of the enemy. To keep you defeated and never experience life to the fullest. The Bible offers this salvation clue clear from the beginning. After Adam and Eve sinned, and became aware of their nakedness, they took leaves like fig leaves and made clothing. When they were, uh, when they were um, uh, banished, that's what that's the word I was looking for, when they were banished from the garden because of their decision, it's, uh, we read about the first sacrifice ever made where God had to kill animal, an animal to clothe them with their hide. Eventually, that was, is going to lead up into the ultimate sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. But after Adam and Eve sinned and became aware of, our ne- aware of their nakedness, we see this salvation message begin to form. Guys, the rest of this story is about God putting in place this incredible salvation restoration plan for you and for me. Isn't that powerful? And we read about that through, this, through the next 30-some weeks. We're going to read about that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to discuss that. And furthermore, and when we take a look at that, we see that God, He never abandons us. He never leaves us. He's, he's there constantly trying to reconcile us back to Himself. And, and for God to restore the vision that human beings are His supreme passion, it was going to require a great sacrifice. And that sacrifice would be His Son, Jesus Christ. As I close this time out, uh, and before we, we're going to sing a couple songs here at the end, but, and, but before I do so, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up now, but I want to ask you a couple things, or I want to share with you a couple things. As we look at this creation story, we discover the value of human beings. None of us are mistakes. None of us are mistakes. I don't care what your parents told you. I don't care what your friends have told you. I don't care what other message has come to you that says you're a mistake, whether your birth was by accident or whatever. You are not a mistake. 
And when someone tries to breathe that into your life and speak that into your life, that is the enemy using somebody else to communicate propaganda and communicate lies. You matter to God. The way you were created matters to God. God created you specifically the way you are. You're not stupid. You're not wired differently. You're not wired out of sync or whatever. You are wired exactly the way God intended you to be wired. Some of us are off kelter a little bit because we haven't grabbed a hold of that saving grace of Jesus Christ to be rewired in a sense, to be made new again. From the beginning, God had a plan that was going to make creation correct. It was going to make creation very good again. His Son, Jesus Christ, makes that correct. When we live in the grace and mercy and love and blood of Jesus, of Jesus Christ, we are made new creatures. And so we're able to live our lives the way that God has uniquely created us to live and to be. When we compa- Do you see why comparing ourselves to other people is so tragic? It's wrong. God never intended for that to be that way. You are who you are. God loves you and you are valuable to God. Think about that. God wants to, be per- wants per- wants to personally be with you. And at a great cost, at a great cost, cost, God has done everything possible to get you back. Do you believe that God is pursuing you? Constantly pursuing you. God is pursuing you. And so when we walk around and and, and guys, you know, I'm only speaking this to you out of experience, recent experience. When you walk around frustrated and angry, take a minute and sit down and ask yourself, why am I frustrated and angry all the time? Because a lot of times, if I would suggest that it's every single time, it's because this relationship is disconnected. When we start living out of sync with this, when our lower story isn't staying connected here, with God, everything gets out of sync. If I would sit down and share with you just different things that people have commented to me over the years, you know, being a pastor and people have commented to me being in a church, things that upset them, you would laugh. You really would. You would say, that is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. My, my dad's a pastor. I remember one time him sharing a story in one of his small country churches. Uh, one person just totally had this disdain that you could not drink coffee in the church. I mean, it was totally a sin, right? Well, someone made coffee one time in the church. And that next Sunday they came to church. Someone had set the coffee pot on the pulpit to demonstrate a point. Does that make sense to you? We get upset over so many things. And it's because we're losing sight of this. We matter to God. God loves us. There is a bigger picture being played out here than drinking coffee in the church or whatever it may be. But a lot of times when we're frustrated, a lot of times when we're angry, a lot of times there's something that 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 we're disconnected in our most innermost in our our innermost parts with, with with God. Once this gets straightened out, man, it's life is exciting. We begin to experience life to the fullest because 
We know that we matter to God and that God values us. Guys, I, you know, I'm going to close with some prayer here before we uh, do these next couple songs. But I pray that you would stay engaged and connected with where we're going. It's going to be fun. You know, as we see this story being played out, this is a great, I mean, it's an awesome story. It has such, it, it, it's just so profound the way things all get laid out and played out. And so I pray that you would stay engaged. I really hope and encourage you to pick up a copy of the book to use as a resource. I find a lot of times, if I haven't shared this with you, I find a lot of times, um, I can't remember if I shared this with you guys or the other services. Um, and if I did, just chalk it up to my mind going, leaving me. But I find that when I use different resources to help me like bring clarity to certain things, it drives me back to this. And it opens this up. I also find that there are times, as I shared with you last week, that I, could, that I have read passages over and over and over and over again. And then I come to it, and all of a sudden, that passage leaps off the, off the page. And it's as if God just opens my eyes completely in that passage literally I understand it and it slices me that's what we're going to experience I believe as we go through this uh, this story so I pray that you would engage with it lean into it let's let's enjoy this let's embrace it pick up a copy of the book use it bring your Bibles with you uh, each week but it's going to be fun as we continue to discover where God or continue to, to see this just big picture unfold and so let me lead us into a word of prayer before we close with a couple of songs here father I thank you for again for your word I thank you for as we read your word God you you allow us to see that there's a bigger picture here that there's a picture here of incredible love that never goes away never runs from us never fails us but a love that pursues us a love that makes us complete a love that enables us to find life and find life to the fullest a love that brings value, a love that brings new perspective to our situations. God, I pray this morning that we would be individuals sitting in here, we would be vulnerable, we would open our hearts to your word, our minds to to you, our ears to your voice. God, this might be a time where we would connect with you in a very powerful, intimate way. Seeing things that we haven't seen before. Grab, grabbing a hold of new depths of this story that's, that's, that's um, you know, as we study, that's being painted before us. And so, God, I just pray for that to happen here. I pray that the enemy would not have freedom in this room. I pray that the enemy would be banished from here. I pray that we would uh, uh, just be individuals that would welcome your word into our lives in a fresh new way. And I pray and ask all this through the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. And it's in His name that we ask all of these things. Amen.